Good morning. Since the beginning of Christianity, Christians have always assembled in some way or another to discuss and to share. And, and here at Living Water Fellowship, we, we focus on the, as it says in Acts 2.42, the, the, the doctrine of the apostles, the teaching of the apostles, and in prayer, and in fellowship, and in the breaking of bread. And so the fellowship part is something that we do big always, and it's very difficult right now to do that because we're not doing fellowship big. <laughs> and so, but we're here, and for that I am grateful. And I wanted to share, we're, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and so I was going to share the last couple uh, verses in Ephesians and just some thoughts that I had as I was contemplating them this week. So if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 21 through 24. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21, it says, But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. And so, in reading this, other than that difficult name, Mr. T over there, uh, a lot of times when you read through these, like, what, what is there that's here that you can actually take away and, and say, this applies to me, and this is what, what I need to know. This is where I need to live. And so this is, for me, the beginning of a book, the greetings and the, the greetings at the end of a book are often the ones that are uh, the hardest part for me to look at and say, okay, how does this apply? And yet, in a very real sense, the reason they often apply better is because it's not churchy. It's not at all, uh, you know, you, you, we go back through history and we see different times when the church itself stood and made pronouncements and announcements. We, we find here in the Apostle Paul writing and sharing specific things. But here we have a greeting, and it's a bit of humanity. It's a, just a glimpse into the humanity of the church at Ephesus. It's a glimpse into the humanity of Paul. And what I found was that in reading this, he says, but that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. And I, I, this line, this phrase, that you may know my affairs, I've thought about this. Uh, in today's world, we have people who on purpose have an online presence or a stage presence or a, and it's kind of funny because we're live streaming this, but like we on purpose have this, this Instagram persona where we are presenting who we are, but we're trying to keep you from knowing my affairs. Like I don't want you to actually know how I feel or think. I only want you to know the small part of how I think or feel and the way I want this to be projected. And so I'm projecting only a certain part and I'm putting that part out, but I'm not doing all of it. And so for Paul, as the apostle to the Gentiles, to say that he wants people to know his affairs is really quite a, a stretch when I stop and think about it is that he is actually saying to, to them and saying, I want you to know how I'm doing. I don't want you just to know what I'm sending in my letters. I don't want you to just know my official position. I don't want you just to know the, a few of these. I want you to know how I'm doing. I want you to know my affairs. 
And so because it says it in here, that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. And then he's sending Mr. T along to explain it, who will make all things known to you. Then chapter, uh, verse 22, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. And so, you know, in just in looking at this, he says, peace to the brethren, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, amen. If you look at the very beginning of Ephesians, the very first chapter, um, first verse, uh, actually verse two, it says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. So he's opening with grace and peace, he's closing with grace and peace. And I think that's, that's interesting um, in light of this. It takes a lot of grace for me to first of all, open the door and say, look at what's happening in my life. It takes a lot of grace for you to look into my life and then still love me if you see everything. So this is, so he says grace and peace to you. And, and peace is a good, is an interesting thought too because a lot of times we have this, this concept where grace uh, or peace depends on our circumstances. And yet if you've loved anyone for any amount of time, you know that sometimes the circumstances are bad. Sometimes the circumstances just aren't good. And so if you're looking to your circumstances for the peace, you probably won't find them there. So I wanted to take a moment and look at Paul and some of the other times when he talks about be open to us or be know our affairs. So let's turn over to Second um, Corinthians chapter 6. And as we're going there, you know, think about what we've just been going through with Ephesians is that Paul is writing as an ambassador in chains. He's writing to us as soldiers. We have put on the armor of God. We're all wearing the armor of God and we're together. So if you think of yourself as a soldier and you're on the front line, you really, really want to know whether the guy next to you is about to lose it and start shooting you in the back. You want to know his heart. You want to trust the people next to you. If you get into a, a battle situation and you don't know what the enemy is going to do and you don't know what your comrades are going to do on either side of you, you're, you're not in a good position. And so for you to stay in the battle, you need to be able to trust that the guy next to you and the guy next to you, on each, that, that you have each other's back and not to stab it either, but like you have each other's back for real. You're protecting each other and you're watching out for each other. And this is a, this is a, an important part of, the, of troop morale, if you have a lot of soldiers out there, they need to know each other and trust each other. They need to have inside jokes. They need to be able to just say a few words and everybody gets it, whether it's laughing or serious business. They need to be able to communicate on that level. And so on that level, Paul, the apostle, is saying, I want you to know my affairs. I want you to know how I am doing. I want you to know how I'm functioning. And in the same way, I want you to function the, in the back to me in, the, in that way as well. And this is where we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He's writing to the Corinthians for the second time. He's had a lot of interaction with them. And in verse 11, he says, O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, I speak as to children, you also be open. And then he says something very interesting, and you might have the, your Bible might show that it's a new paragraph. It might put it all in the same paragraph, but it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? 
And what accord has Christ with Belial, or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And so in the account that Bob just read with the blind man coming and being healed, he says, Jesus did this to me. And the, the people in the temple are saying, so there's like a real, uh, this is one of those moments that you will find in your life sooner or later, where you are just exuberant and happy and joyful and just saying it all, you're laying it all out there. And the people that you're talking to are hiding their intention. They're not wanting, they, they don't like what you like. They're not happy about what makes you happy. They're not rejoicing, like with the blind man. They're not rejoicing with him that he can see. They are all in a bunch because here Jesus healed someone and did something and this is not right. And what did he do here? And so it's, it's an interesting thought that there are people in your life that you will go to and you will just share everything. And you will... Maybe you don't. I do. I go in a, and I'm just happy and I share everything. I share things that my family will say, why did you share that? You should just, you know, don't talk about that. But I did. And I'm expecting the reciprocation. I'm expecting you to sit there, look across the table and share everything back and be open and transparent. And so sometimes, several times now in my life uh, on a higher level, sometimes just on a petty level, but a few times on a deeper level, someone has taken the very thing that I shared in being transparent and being vulnerable and has just turned it around and used it back against me. And it hurts and I'm like, come on, I was trusting you. I was trusting you with this. Why would you take this and turn it into a weapon? And so the idea of being unequally yoked together like I have most of the time heard this when someone's talking about marriage and they say, well, you know, this, you know, she really loves the Lord and she's just this, this really saint of a Christian and he's kind of like, we don't know, he's a little bit of a wayward son and so we don't want them to be unequally yoked. And my thought always is if she's interested in a wayward son, they're probably equally yoked. Like that if we're talking about that. But... I think it goes even farther. I think this idea of being unequally yoked is in this very thing. If you're working with someone and you're always pouring out your heart and you're being transparent like Paul is and he's saying, I'm, I'm open to you. And they're like, yes, but we're closed to you. We don't want you to know what we're doing. For instance, in a, in a church world, there, there is a lot of openness in certain levels and closed in other levels. For instance, if I have a building program and I have a, and I'm trying to establish a presence, one of the things that will happen a lot of times is you'll have pastors get together and they can talk to each other. How are you doing? Praise the Lord. Read, you know, the scriptures blessed me. People are coming to know the Lord. That's great. And then someone says something, well, how's your building program going? And, and, and then one person shares and says, well, you know, we had three donors come in and give all the money and it's taken care of. And immediately everyone else is like, well, transparency down. I'm not telling you the struggle we're having at our church. And it's not just building. There's a lot of other things. We don't even have a building, so I'm not sure why I'm using the building example. We rent this space, right? I'm grateful for it. But, but there, is that, there is that if we hear of someone else's success and we're struggling, we're liable to say, okay, he's being successful. Yay for him. I'm not going to tell him what I'm dealing with. And so there is that, that certain amount of, of 
of transparency that goes to the point of hurting ourselves. When we are transparent, when we are vulnerable, and so sometimes what happens, you have a friend, and you're being very open, very transparent, you're trying to share, you want to share life together because you believe that in order to make disciples, I need to share my struggles, you need to share your struggles, there needs to be this communication, and then it gets shut down or they use it against you or something, and then you get hurt, and you think, wow, well, okay then, see if I'll ever share that again, and we start, operating in an unhealthy scab place where we have a scab wound that we're not letting heal and we don't want to ever let it see the light of day again and we're trying to hide it. So when I see Paul, and, and he continues on, if you look down in chapter 7, verse 2 here in Second Corinthians, he says, open your hearts to us. We have wronged no one. We have corrupted no one. We have cheated no one. And so he's coming in and he's, he keeps saying, please open your hearts to us. Hear what I have to say. And so in this idea of being open, light versus darkness, you know, this is, this is a, in James, we have the, the picture, if you confess your faults to one another. And I don't know about you, but like there are some faults that I really don't want to confess to everyone else. There's some things, like I don't mind talking about how much I like coffee, and it could be a fault. Like, I don't mind talking about either the introversion or the extroversion and talking about it as if it was a fault, right? And I don't mind those t things, but if you start going to the innermost being and st start examining, you know, what does Joseph think about early in the morning, late at night? What does, wh how do I fill my spare time? There are some things that I'm like, I I'd, rather not, I'd rather not talk about this with everyone. And so I've been extremely grateful to have a wife who is very loving and kind and is very transparent and open and we can share everything together. In fact, it is since this year will be nine years of being married. And as a result of this relationship, I start thinking every person that is married should have the goal of being able to share everything. Because what I have discovered in myself is if there's something that I'm not able to share, it usually is connected to some, either an unconfessed sin, an unhealed wound, something is keeping me from wanting to go there. And so if there's some area that I get to and I'm like, I don't want to talk about that, then I use it as a trigger to say, ah, this is an area that Christ died for. He can bring me either healing or victory or cleansing in this area too, and I want to be able to talk about it. And so, you know, I am grateful that we, that for instance, that Stacy and I can talk about everything, but at the same time, there's times when I'm so frustrated because she wants to talk about everything. And, and I, I'm, I'm trying to hold a little bit of vulnerability in here. And yet, when I am open and transparent, it is one of the beautiful things that happens. And I, the, the, the picture here in 2 Corinthians 6, where Paul says, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. And then in verse, uh, the unequally yoked verse, verse 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? And so if you think about light and darkness over in John chapter three, Jesus is talking to, to Nicodemus and he says some things that I think are profound in, we often quote the John 3:16, for God so loved the world, and that's awesome because it's true, but in, down in verse 17 it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So there is this picture, and, and I will tell you this, all around us there are other religions, even people within Christianity that will try to complicate things and try to make it, well, you have to do this and this, you have to do this order, you need to pray in this formula, you know, you need to uh, even be part of this particular kind of church or that, and yet the simplicity of it is simply this. Jesus came into the world, he didn't come to condemn the world, he came because the world was already condemned. And this was the condemnation. Men loved darkness rather than light. And so when I think about this and the truth that is right here, it's a very simple truth. When we come to Jesus, we're coming into the light. We're coming into the open. We're willing to be completely open and honest before him. We're willing to confess to him our sins. We're confess, willing to confess that he is our Lord and Savior. We're willing to be completely open to him. And this is where it can sound like, well, that's just too simple. Like, that's just too simple. You know, surely I have to go do something to make certain things right. And it is possible that because we have walked in darkness, because we have hurt other people, that we need to go and apologize and ask someone to forgive us. That is 100% within the realm of possibility. I had to do it. I had to do it multiple different times. I remember one of the, my least favorite times was I was after a couple weeks of thinking and praying and being gone from my hometown for a while, I really felt strongly that I had not just disrespected, but mocked one of our local tow truck drivers. And I worked in the automotive industry and I, and, and I just, the more I think about it, I, like, I, no Lord, I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna do this because I don't want to, I'm not interested in telling you, I don't wanna go talk to him. And so I remember I was out of town a couple of weeks. I came back in town and finally I had to go and just be like, okay, sir, I'm really sorry. And I gave the incident. I said, when this happened and I said these things, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And I remember he was shocked, but he said, like, sure, yeah, sure. And then we went on. He never mentioned it again. I never mentioned it again. We saw each other after that. I felt a world better because I knew what I had done was not being fully in the light. I had been hiding a few things in darkness. I was being, I was really being um, two parts. I was trying to have some dark and some light. And so I wanted to, you know, and so that might be involved, but the simplicity of it is that you can come to Jesus and you can share it all openly to him. And we can completely pour everything out before him and come into the light. And then you will know whether you need to go and share it with someone else but you don't have to first go and make it right with everyone else and then try to come to Jesus. This is the beauty about Christ is when I don't know, I can pursue him, I can get close to him and he can tell me, he can show me what I actually need. And so going back to this openness, this transparency that is necessary if we are going to be good ambassadors, if we're going to be good soldiers in the army of God, how can we be open? Because I don't want to commit myself and overshare to someone who really doesn't have my best interest in mind. And so this has been my conundrum multiple times in my life. I don't know 
how open should I be? And so there are times when I withhold myself just a little bit because I don't actually know who I'm interacting with. But as when I hear that someone is a believer, when they're confessing Jesus, I try to go in and trust that they have not only my best interest in mind, but they have the church's best interest in mind. They have Christ's best interest in mind. And I try to be open. And if I get snubbed or hurt in some way, Christ can heal that. He can take care of that. And so I try to, to keep that in mind. But I believe that there, is a, there, there are several more verses that I want to read along with this. And you know, one of the ones is the, the confessing Christ before men, Matthew 10, 32. I'm just going to go read that one quickly. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, it says, Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And there is this, there is, I think this is part of the reciprocation that we're talking about, part of the transparency that we're talking about, is that Jesus is giving us a, an openness. He has bared all, so to speak. He has come and shown us how much he loved us. He has given us everything. And so then when we come and we're like, well, I don't know. I don't know, Lord, because I'm not quite sure if I can trust you. And yet he has given us everything. And so he's, he gives us this picture if we will confess him before men. And so one of the ways we confess him before men is that when we're talking about a problem, because we all face issues, we all face problems. And in fact, right now is a good time to be thinking, because in a crisis like this where you have, you know, hundreds of millions of people all responding together in the same way, trying to stop something, then everyone's inner belief kind of surfaces. And we start saying, well, if you really had faith, why don't you just go and stop the disease? Well, if you really, and, and so we have to start thinking, well, how am I talking about this? How am I talking about my interaction with a disease, a virus, something that's beyond my control? How do I talk about it? And so one of the ways that we talk about it is we say, well, I live in a broken world, full disclosure, right? I live in a broken world. I am part of broken humanity. Still, complete transparency, full disclosure. Then I say, however, I know that Jesus wants to redeem and transform everything. It says in the scripture that the final enemy to be vanquished is death, and he's going to take care of that one eventually. Until then, I'm not sure. And so, I don't know how he wants to transform this. I don't know how he wants to redeem it, but I know that he does. And so I'm on a quest in the middle of this to say, Lord, how do you want to transform it? How do you want to redeem it? I am not going to make any bold statements and say something like, well, if you really believe in God, you won't get sick of the virus. Because we look back over history, you look back over godly people of all times. As long as we live in a broken world, as long as we're dwelling in these, world, uh, these earthen vessels, we're liable to get sick. We're liable to have disease come in. What we do know from scripture is that Jesus can heal and he can take anything, any disease, any sickness, and he can transform it, redeem it, and use it for his kingdom. And so one of my open, transparent, vulnerable positions is that I'm willing to share with you, okay, yes, so I'm struggling with these things, uh, like right now, I have no medical issues that I know of, but if I do, I'm not, I'm not afraid to share them with you and to say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is how I'm wanting to pray about it. You know, when um, this was the, with Stacy having to go to the 
the doctor the other day and interacting, she's hoping to find an actual, what's the problem? But she's being very open and transparent. We're chasing down every possibility because, you know, um, so far our percentage is somewhere around 90% of doctors looking at her, taking tests and saying, you're fine. And then she says, well, you tell me I'm fine at night when I can't sleep because of what my stomach is doing. You tell me I'm fine when I'm having pain. You t this, I'm not fine. I'm losing weight. Something's wrong. And so she is having to be not just transparent, but almost militantly vulnerable and say, look, something's not right. And I'm looking for that. I don't feel okay. I'm not okay. And the problem we have is that, you know, there are people like nurses and so forth who will say things along the line of like, well, I wish I had that problem uh, because it's not a weight gaining problem. It's a weight losing problem. They don't mean it if they stop and think about it, but they say it and they think it's funny. And, 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 and so the, the amount of vulnerability and transparency it takes to deal with an illness or a disease is that you run the risk of making people think, well, they're always complaining about their health. They're always having a problem. You run the risk of having someone in that position of saying, well, you know, I, I'm just tired of always hearing about what they're dealing with. And so any time that we choose the path of openness, we have, there are two things we're doing. One is we're opening ourselves to God to say, Lord, I need you in this scenario. I need you in these circumstances. But we're also opening ourselves to people and if they are not walking in grace and peace, they might hurt us. So we need to guard our own grace and peace and make sure that we're wearing the full armor of God so that we do not get hurt. And so the idea of being fellowshipping uh, light and darkness, um, I think for us, one of the things that that means is that I'm always choosing the light, even if it means exposing myself to the world in a way that they think is weakness, because I am choosing the light to allow God's healing into that position. And so then just the, um, in 1 Corinthians 13, there's, you know, the love chapter, there's several things in here that I just think are awesome for this idea of transparency. 1 Corinthians 13, and I want to look specifically at verse 12. Oh, hold on, verse seven. It's in verse seven, it says, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Part of being open with each other is that I am going to choose to believe what you tell me, even if you're lying. And this has been a hard thing for me. I've worked with young people at times where I ask them, you know, how are you doing? And they will say, oh, fine. And you're like, no, you're not fine. So tell me, like, but really, how are you doing with this or that? And they will, they will tell me something, and I have to go with what they say, even though I have, I think, evidence that's credible that they're not okay, that they're struggling. Um, I've worked with, uh, or played with, I should say, sometimes when we've played games um, with young people, you know, it's easy to want to lie about whether you were tagged or whether you were not. And so you have to, we had to create a, a system. And so I remember this was with the character club about 20 years ago. Our rule became when we were outside playing the running tag games is that if you didn't feel it, you weren't tagged. And so people would say, I didn't feel it. And so the next time it'd be like, bang, ow, I didn't feel it. <laughs> and so they started being tagged really hard if they, didn't feel it. And so we, had, we were trying to figure out how do we cultivate a, 
an ability for us to just take each other's word for what it is, because that's what we're really talking about. Being open and transparent means that I'm willing to take your word, you're willing to take my word. And so believing all things, this part of love that is in the love chapter, believing all things, that one's hard because like right now, um, and I didn't make the list, I started, I, I didn't bring the list, I started making a list of everything that I've seen on social media about what is happening with the coronavirus. For instance, I have been told with fervor and 100% conviction that this is the Democrats trying to derail the election in November. I have been told with 100% conviction that this is the Republicans taking back the Federal Reserve and somehow starting a war with China. I'm not quite sure where that fits in, but it's, it's happening. I've been told that this is President Trump himself returning the world to the gold standard for finances. I've been told that this is China trying to destroy the United States. I've been told that this is the Illuminati and they're trying to get rid of all of the, sh the sheep. And so I, the list really goes on. There is a conspiracy for you. No matter where you land, there's one right now. I had at least 15 different things that I've been told that were different angles on what is happening right now. So I just want to in the spirit of 1 Corinthians 13, say, well, what if I believed all things? What if I just, for a moment, loved everyone, believed all things? The fact that China, Italy, Germany, Iran, the United States, you have people on all kinds, all sides of the aisle. You have Muslims, Christians, atheists, um, all these different people, okay, all dealing with this. What if we're actually living in a time in the world where we have the medical wherewithal to identify a virus that we couldn't have identified 100 years ago? What if we actually live in a broken world that has always had this kind of brokenness, but now we live in the enlightened times where for the first time we actually know what's going on, and so we're trying to stop it. We're trying to do something. What if everyone is actually openly and honestly believing what they're saying and doing it, and what if there is no underlying conspiracy? Would you be okay with that? Would you, as a believer, be willing to take everyone's word and say, yes, I understand that the task force is doing these things. The governor is saying this, and he actually has my best interest in mind. Because it's possible that that's what's happening. I'm not going to say that there aren't people who are not inspired by the enemy, because there are people inspired by the enemy who are out there. I mean, you look at our abortion industry, you'll see that. You look at all of these things, you see that Satan has a handhold in people's lives or a foothold. He's trying to control things. But to say that there is one overarching conspiracy that goes from China to Italy to Iran to the United States is, is really too much for any one finite human being to do. You think you give people too much credit if you think people can plan something on that scale. The enemy can try, but I'll tell you someone who is globally present. And this is, I love the Babylon Bee's article this week of the, that God was ignoring the quarantine orders and was still being everywhere. <laughs> and still being very, and not keeping any kind of personal space, but like getting really up close and personal with everyone. And so it's true. This is the way God operates. So I, I wanted to just take this, you know, I thought it was interesting the time we're in right now where it says, you, you know, being open with each other and we're actually kind of hiding from each other. We're in our own houses, we're in our own homes and we're, we are only, we can like here this morning, we could only have, we had to have less than 10 people to be able to do this um, broadcast. And so the, 
the fact that I'm talking about openness at a time when we're on purpose having to be a little bit closed is a little ironic. However, this is part of what we're called to. We're called to share openly, to be open, to let our needs be known, to let our triumphs and our blessings be known. And then we need to have the grace and peace to actually be able to, f- to, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. There is a verse over in Malachi that is one of my um, all-time favorite verses because of it hints at things that I do not know that one day I will know. Because at the end of chapter 13 there in Corinthians, it says, now we see through a glass dimly, but then face-to-face. So on the face-to-face day, there's a lot of stuff we're going to learn that we right now don't know fully. But one of the things that I'm interested in learning is just exactly what this means. Malachi 3, verse 16 It says, then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another and the Lord listened and heard them. And so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. And I found this just so special that the Lord is watching his people all around the globe. And when his people who fear his name are communicating and talking with each other, the Lord is listening and he's writing a book about it. Like it's not just that he's saying, okay, send a scribe down and and record it, but he's listening. He is engaging in the conversations of his people. And so going back to Ephesians chapter six, I think part of us putting on the whole armor of God and being able to stand against the wiles of the devil is this principle of being able to be open and honest with each other, of being able to share of being able to give ourselves completely to that. And so I wanted to encourage us all, even though it might be more difficult right now, but let's go ahead and choose to believe all things. Let's go ahead and choose to, to be open and vulnerable and transparent in response to the time when people are being, you know, so if you have fears, it's okay to voice them because, and this is the thing, A fear that's bouncing around in your head is going to be bigger and darker and worse than a fear that you put into words and you get it out to someone. Because many times when you actually share it and you actually say, well, here's what I was thinking. And then you say it and you're like, that's not very probable, is it? No, it's not. Okay. Or you're like, that actually, if that happened, that wouldn't be as bad as I thought it would. And so, so there is a certain sense in which just sharing what's going on in our hearts and our minds is part of the victory. So that was my word for us this morning, was just to encourage us to be open, to be transparent with each other, and to share fully with each other, and allow God to work in us, and allow us to Um, how should I say this? Uh, I want us to have grace and peace. So if someone else is sharing their fear, that we don't just shut them down and say, ah, don't be a conspiracy theorist. There's real fear. Fear is a real thing. So is faith. And one of the ways to cultivate faith is to go ahead and put fear out in the middle where you can all look at it and then to openly discuss it, to be vulnerable and transparent and to allow the word of God to deal with it. And one of the best ways to do that is within the fellowship of believers. So, I'm really looking forward to the day when we can be back here, all of us, and eating our meals together here and truly having fellowship. But until then, let's remain as transparent and open as possible. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your great love to us. Thank you for your provision for us. Thank you that you have not only given us hope for this world, but you've given us hope for the world to come. 
So Lord, we love you and we just bless you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.